Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast as usual. I'm your host, that's the Diddy NFL on Twitter and of course follow the group at UK Packers and it's a way, way too early uh, roster prediction and to help me navigate through this grisly uh, way too early prediction is me old buddy, me old pal at IT Hedgehog Peter Jones and also um, I was going to say the draft guru, but we should probably get away from the draft with you, Andy, because it's a massive bone of contention here. <laughs> I don't think we've mentioned the draft. Andy is the draft guru, but he also hates this year's draft. But before we get there, Peter, what's going on, buddy? I'm good, Steve. It's um, I'm hot, getting fatter by the day. But other than that, other than that, all is good. So that sounds like a good, good Monday. I mean, getting fat and being too hot is not too bad uh, whatsoever. Uh, Andy, are you fat, hot and bothered um, as well? Or how are we doing? Your side of the pond? Yeah, I'm all good, thanks. Yeah, no, we broke out the water slide this afternoon after work. So they were, it was all good. So my, my lawn looks slightly less green than it did early on today. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm bred good for anyway, so that was good. So either side of it is probably well watered, but the old uh, stretch. So tell me about this water slide, right? Is there not a massive part of you that's sort of thinking, one errant stone here, and that's going to be a trip to the old hospital here? Have you got a, you know, have you ever got a sort of stone in the arse as you've sort of slid your way around the belly, more is the, more is the point? No, there's no segregation issues. The stones are um, strict, strictly gone from my garden. Right. It's all it's all green grass. Yeah, yeah. It's no no issues whatsoever. Top speed of about eight mile an hour <laughs> down the hill. Slightly <laughs> left to right on the camber. Right. Um, but yeah, it was all good. Yeah, all good. See, if it doesn't work out, if the whole Packers thing and your day job and all doesn't work out, definitely horse race and that description of left to right or maybe sailing commentary would be also very good. But look, a burning question, that's right. See, this is the type of stuff that we do here, right? We're, we're stuck in, um, we're trying to get out into the garden, we're doing a bit of garden. I know Pete has a has a massive palatial estate and he does be fixing stuff on the estate going out. Um, his, his missus does be running down after the wheelie bins. They have their own versions of the Olympics. Um, but... I don't know about you lads, but did you find out anything interesting about yourselves during this quarantine period? Because I certainly did. And I want to put this to you lads, because it's one of the things I never thought about before. But then I got called weird. And now I'm starting to think about how the other half lives. And here, uh, th- these are the pressing issues. This is what people listen for, right? I put on my socks and th- yeah, I'm going there. right? I put on my socks standing up and apparently that makes me a massive freak. Is is putting on your socks standing up a weird thing to do? I'm in the freak crew then as well because I do that as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, standing up, putting the socks on. And me totally. too. Why? So this is. <laughs> do you know what? I've been gaslit here because I've been made feel like I was an outsider when really the person who sits down and puts their socks on. I understand if you're over a certain age, you've hip issues, uh, you're really young, and you have to sit on your arse, you know, in a nappy. But yeah, putting on your socks standing up, I thought was weird, but it's actually really normal. I think the, the, the trick is, Steve, in my house anyway, it's usually putting your socks on, standing up while you're trying to eat a piece of toast. <laughs> you know, I, I'm trying to get the kids to put on their school uniform or, or trying to get yeah. escape out the door while trying to put your shoe on at the same time. So, yeah, socks is just, is just step one, usually. That, that's the thing with parents, though, isn't it? I mean, it's sort of eating dinner at the table normally, like a family, is weird, whereas usually it's like eating fast, <laughs> standing up over the sink or in the car on the way to... <laughs> Oh, it's the usual stuff. But I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad we're all in the like uh, standing up sock crew. But you know, there's going to be a bunch of people listening to the podcast now that are going to tune out because they're going to be like, listen, I put my socks on sitting down and I just can't relate to this podcast material anymore. And we're going to have, we're going to lose followers, lads. But look, it's a price we have to pay. I, I, I guess, I guess, Steve, if I sat down to put my socks on, the dogs would, would nab the socks and be off with them. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Occupational hazard of a dog owner. Yeah. That's what happens. That's what happens. Yeah, I did have a dog, and I lived in an apartment, and she chewed off the um, the windowsill out to the window, and we didn't own said apartment, so dogs are a pain in the arse. Because I wanted to get a new dog for the kids, but then it's just it's all of these things I forget about. Pete, what's the one book? Because you have what cocker spaniels, right? So they're yeah. right. So they're, they're very. Bonkers. Are they mad? Yeah, they're not too yes. well behaved. Are they crazy I, I puppies? Kind no, of thing. They're, they're they're pretty well behaved. They're mm. just um, weird. They're very intelligent. Right. Uh, more intelligent than their owner. Um, by that, I meant me, not my wife, by the way. Right. Um, um, and they're just super, they're super smart and they want to be doing, they want to be doing stuff all the time. Mm. You know, they're not, they're not dogs to lay down and sleep for very long. 
And um, whether it's playing ball, whether it's running off with my socks, whether it, whatever it might be. So, yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. I, I was thinking when you, you know, sent across your, because the this this sort of podcast is accompanied by uh, an article by Peter, which is his predictions, which we're going to talk about in this podcast anyway. It's kind of a twofer. I was wondering why there was kind of dog marks on the article you sent across. I think Peter's getting the dogs to write these articles. It all makes sense. It all makes sense. And they wear Packers <laughs> gear as well. So there you go. Um, that's the best part, though, about having pets and kids is you get to dress them up in Packers gear. I wish someone did that with me when I was a kid. So I'd have that to lord over someone and go, well, I was a Packers fan since I was minus one. You know, that kind of thing. I don't know if you lads feel the same, you know. But anyway, we we get to some uh, pretty strange areas. But look, we're here to talk about um, the much too early Packers prediction. Um, and I, I guess some of it seems um, sort of obvious, right? There's some picks that are locks, um, the same as there is every year. But there's a few talking points, I guess, in this roster that make it, um, I don't know, if a little bit difficult or whatever. And yes, for, for people listening, this is too early. And in fact, we don't even know if the season is go ahead. Andy, where's your head at with this season? Um, at this point because I know not a whole lot's changed apart from the fact that the NFL said that teams can go to practice um, and you know we hear a lot about this virtual team stuff but to you do you think the season's going to go ahead as normal or are we looking at a shortened season or the front end put onto the back end or, or where's your head at with this? Um, no idea it is a total answer I'm I just going to mosey on through the summer as you would do normally uh, wait for the inopportune stories that come out every single year and go with the flow if it happens it happens if it doesn't I think it'll happen at some point would be my best guess um, so all this sort of uh, way to really looking at rosters and things of that nature is just stuff that we'd normally do wouldn't it Yeah, uh, and just carry on regardless really because I think it will happen at some point um, but I think it may get it, it may get pushed back um, but but who knows? Uh, I've seen some pretty vivid shots in um, in the US today of all sorts of mm. social gatherings. So so who knows? Yeah, P, where's your head up with this now? Are you thinking the same as what you said on a previous pod, where the you know first four games shift to the back end? Or yeah, I mean, I think that I think the next few weeks are going to be crucial, aren't they, to see whether the, the, this flattening of the of the curve continues or whether there's it starts to it starts to spike somewhere. I mean, I think that the difficulty is going to be if if a number of NFL players from different teams test positive. Um, you know, and I know there's been been the odd one or two already, but I think if it starts happening across a number of teams, I, it becomes almost impossible, doesn't it, to to see how they can possibly have a training camp and a preseason when players are going to be self isolating for seven days, 14 days, whatever, whatever it might be. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm like Andy. I think there will be a season of, of sorts, but whether it will be a complete 16-game season, whether it will start on time, I, I, I just don't know. I think it's, it's, it's all commercial, really. I mean, we've seen the games coming over London, right, where they give us sort of some pants games because they there's that sort of expectation that they don't particularly care because it sells out anyway and they'll keep doing that if we keep snapping up the tickets so I think when it comes to this it's pretty devastating for the NFL from a business perspective obviously uh, that goes without saying but when it comes to the salary cap and then there's all these predictions about we're going to see some really dodgy contracts going on or people being cut that you wouldn't expect because the salary cap next year will be lower than what it is or certainly lower than what's expected so I think for me, what it comes down to is, is can they continue to make money if they go ahead and play the season? I think they would rather fill the stadium with people um, or not play it at all or push it you know, the opposite way. But I think what's going to end up happening is there's going to be some really weird um, virtual opportunities where they're going to try sell something. So they're going to try sell, oh, you can get your face in the virtual crowd um, and we'll do it that way where, you know, um, we can because I didn't they do that in South Korea as well where they got like well there's some controversy there too but you know they have people being able to put their faces digitally on stuff or sponsor a seat or there'll be something like that that they'll try draw people in I think if they can get the revenue in for it I don't think they'll mind playing it behind closed doors and um, because to them it's it's a bit of a revenue stream but I think if they can't do that well then they'll just try delay the season and push it out and um, they don't have to worry about that new uh, Vince uh, McMahon you know season now as well so you know that kind of came for them probably at the right time that they're not competing with a different product as well um but yeah i think it pushes um and it the, the thing that will set it off won't be 
particularly COVID, if they can come up with an alternative, like everybody or most people working from home uh, and things like that. I think it all comes down to the money. Um, but look, let's dive into picking the team. We're going to start with offense and then go to defense. Um, quarterback. So for me, the topic around quarterback is is that if the season goes ahead um, and if Aaron Rodgers gets injured, how comfortable are the Packers putting Jordan Love in there? And for me, it's two sort of modes of thought. But uh, Peter, maybe go to you first. Where's your head at with the quarterback situation for this? Do they go with two or three? I think that's the only real question here, right? Yeah, my, 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 gut, my gut feel is two. Um, I, I think ideally you would, ha- you, would have, you would have three because I think your, your question is spot on, Steve. I think that certainly in the early weeks, you know, if Rodgers were to go down, you know, in week one, for example, or, or, or week two, I, I think they would be reluctant to throw Jordan Love in yeah. at, that, at that stage. I think it would be different if it was week 15 or something. So it's possible they keep they keep three on the basis that that they'd rather almost and I hate to put it this way but you'd you, you, you'd rather almost sacrifice a Tim Boyle coming in in week one than you would a, a Jordan Love because you know they obviously see Love as the the future of the franchise and, and all of that. Um, so I've gone back and forth on on this one, but I, I've come down on on the side of that it, that it's two just simply on a on a numbers game and that and that and that. Boyle probably heads to the practice squad, um, particularly given that they've got you know you've got a free practice squad call up or two free practice squad call ups for for each player, so they could carry Boyle as a practice squad player, but call him up to the active roster in the first couple of weeks as well if they wanted to. True, yeah. Andy, where's your head at the two or three question? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd lean towards a three. Yeah, uh, just because of the investment that they've got in love, I think they'll want to protect that investment. Um, come hell or high water, so I think initially that may change, um, but I think they'll they'll go with the three. Now they may try and slide into the Tim Boyle that is to the practice squad at some point, but I think they're mindful of um, shifting QBs to the practice squad. I think Taysom Hill would have been mm, yeah. um, one that yeah. they tried to slide through and get through the back door, and it didn't work out too well, did it? So. Um, I just think they'll go for the three, yeah. Yeah, it's it's my I keep going back and forth on it myself. To be honest, like I think I, this is what I think, and I don't know how much there. I got really Irish there and said tink. Um, I think uh, add the H. Uh, it costs extra to add H as your order in Ireland. So I think what they do is is that it depends on. I don't know if they care what the perception of the series is or how they want to massage Aaron Rodgers with it, in the sense that if they're happy enough to go with two. In the set, and I don't know whether that sends the message to say, oh, if we need to put Jordan Love in, we throw him in. It doesn't matter how that impacts him, particularly because we expect him to be ready, um, ish, like as ready as you can be, I guess. Or do they sort of put their colors to the mast and say, there's no way we want him to see the field for multiple reasons? One, that he could get injured, and two, that we don't want to spook him, like what happened with, like, because I always use Blaine Gabbard as a situation. I mean, if you look at him and his, his numbers in college, and then he was seeing ghosts because they put him in too early, and we've seen that you know recently with some of the quarterbacks in the last couple of years haven't we where they've put them in and they just they've they've crumbled and fallen apart so whether they want to sort of nail their colors to the mast and say jordan love is a like would you say pete is a precious commodity he is the future we want to leave him behind there or whether they're happy to go well if it happens it happens or what they want to do but that's why i'd lean towards three because they'd want to cushion them a bit and not even have that decision to be made for them you know i think the tipping point for me as well was the fact that if something's going to get compromised because of the situation, then preseason is likely to be it. Yeah. Uh, and if you and if you've got no preseason for for both QBs to play, then you are really leaving yourself exposed, aren't you? So that for that reason, I, I think it'll be three. Yeah, it's it's more interesting than and it's more of a dilemma, I think, than is because that's the thing. When I was hoovering up all of the other ones that people have done online, they always go with two, and I can definitely see that. And like you said, Pete, it's a numbers game. By you get I down further than roster, the, right? I think. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the issue. Is 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 that when you start counting up the number of players at each position, you suddenly find you've got. 72 no you've got 50 you've got 54 and then you're looking well actually i need to find you know i need to move one more player to the practice squad as it were mm. um so it's re- it's it's really difficult but i as i said i was sway, swaying back and f- back and forth on it I, I plumped for two but absolutely can 
can come down on the side of the argument of three as well so by the end of the podcast on two i mean that's the way it's going to work out that's the way these things always work out so it's just it's 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 almost impossible because it's an interesting situation with Corey lindsley let's say because uh you know contract year and then when you look at the likes oh well if they haven't got rid of lane taylor yet i see people online saying oh well, if they haven't done it yet they're not going to and i don't subscribe to that sort of um stuff at all um, and then when you look at Jamal Williams and the Aaron Jones and their contracts and they just sort of like Jesus they need to have backups at those positions to see what they have before they try to make a decision on a contract which then hits against the quarterback whether they keep two or three and in that respect you're thinking well then they have to keep two only because they need the backups to try get some sort of playing time um, and speaking of that and Andy I'm going to come to you first on this because you always um, have your finger on the pulse when it comes to, to running backs Um We've Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams as sort of the ordained number two. Now, that's been sort of questioned. We've AJ Dillon, who got drafted, who's a human bowling ball. And then they've Tyler Irvin. And if you if you class uh, Degora as uh, a H-back or fullback, well, then you're sort of looking at it and sort of thinking, Jesus, how many are we keeping here? Um, do you sort of subscribe to the four or five, including Degora? Or do you see Jamal Williams as one of those uh, sort of cap hits or roster casualties coming in? Um, no, I think you called it right the first time. There's no... Jamal Williams is no cap casualty, is he? So he's at the end of his rookie deal. So I don't see the uh, the, the sort of value in releasing him, or yeah. I don't think he'd have significant trade value because running backs of that level just don't right now. Um, so I think it'll be Jones, Williams, one, two. I think Dylan will be a situational player to begin with, um, as will Tyler Irvin in the role that we saw him in last year. Uh, and Dexter Williams will be <clears throat> selling cars in Nashville. So, <laughs> if he doesn't pull his act together, I think he's the one that he needs a preseason, doesn't he? He needs to try and get himself out of the doghouse. Um, and he's the one that's got it all to play for. So, but I, I view it as that. And you're right with uh, Degur. I think they'll, they'll, the view is the H back, and um, yeah, and that'll be his niche, won't it? Yeah. How are you seeing this, uh, Peter? Do you have Degore down? Does he go into the season designated as a back or does he come in with the tight ends? He, he probably goes in. I don't know what number they've assigned him. They've assigned him a number in the 40s. I don't know. I don't know what number they've assigned him. He's got 80. There you, there you go. So listing him as a tight end. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, I mean, I, I think that you know Degura obviously makes it, and then and then the four that the four that Andy has described, I I would go with plump for those plump for those same four as well. Um, Jamal Williams for me is the one that would be in most danger, and again that's simply be, I think because of a numbers game. Yeah. You know, if they got to the point where they kept, say, they kept an extra defensive back or an extra offensive lineman or extra defensive line, whatever it might be. Then again, you look, you're scouring through the roster to find, you know, that extra spot. Out of those four, I think Jamal Williams would be the one that's in most danger of not making it. But but I fully expect him to make it. And Peter, wide receivers, um, we've seen the Packers get very wide out heavy um, coming into this. You know, unless there's a guy that, that they really don't want to release, you know, because another team will pick him up. I just don't see the value in keeping seven guys when probably you know the back end of those seven there's probably nothing to choose between them yeah Andy how are you fixed for that <laughs> I thought we were going to skip wide receiver and just go straight <laughs> on to all the other positions I don't think you'd really ask me um yeah six <laughs> six um the the yeah I think I always judge depth I think Peter's made the, the, the point a few times isn't he that Judge depth by taking your best player out of the equation. So if you take Devante Adams out of the equation and then you're left with a, a one to five receivers there and then tell me what depth you've got. Same with offensive tackle. Take Bakhtiari out of the equation and, and tell me what depth you've got there. Yeah. The answer is, in terms of star quality, very little. So, you know, do you, do you hang your hat on the fact that we're going to be as lucky as we were last year with injuries? And I know Adams was injured for a, for a small portion of time and I've heard about how we still won because we didn't have Adams and all that rubbish, but that's, it's not the case. He's a, he's a star receiver, isn't he? And after that, we've got a lot of guys that have yet to prove themselves. Um, so it'll be Adams, Lazard, Scantlin, Funches, um, ESB, um, and, and probably the wild card being Reggie Begelton. 
um, in, in any order you want, really, <clears throat> and take it from there. <laughs> yeah. Um, my six would include Debo Samuel and uh, Justin Jefferson, but uh, <laughs> Santa Claus isn't due for another seven months yet. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, and you haven't picked your fantasy um, team yet. So um... and, and, and I think the one thing is to, to think about for all that there's, there's quite a number of names on there, and, and there's three or four that will potentially, obviously, be cut. Uh, I wouldn't rule out the um, the addition of somebody who's currently on another NFL roster right now. So. I think that's one to watch. One to watch out for. Um, I don't think there's, there's any. I don't think anything outside of Adams is a, is a lock right now. So, uh, and I think that's a really good point. I, I think that if you took this, you know, the the six that Andy's named would be my, the same six that that, that, that I I would have. Mm. But if you if you took those six and put them, tried to fit them onto, say, one of the better rosters in the NFL a team that's deep in wide receivers, you'd think actually how many of those would be certainties to make somebody else's roster. And Adams is the only one, mm. um, you know, and, and that's not to, you know, I'm not trying to be detrimental to, to Lazard, for example, who had an excellent season last year, but that's just one season. And, it, and it's not a thousand yard season that he had, you know, it was a good solid up and coming s- s- season, you know, Funches, there's lots of question marks about. He might be, he might have a really good season. You know, he might catch 60 balls for 900 yards or or, or what have you come come in this season coming up. But right now, other than Adams, there's question marks over over all of the others. Yeah, and rightly so. I mean, Devontae Adams is a superstar. What did he miss? Four games at Turf Toe last year and he still had 997 yards. So he would have been on pace for 13, 1400 yards, um, which is incredible. Um, Devin Funches, again, injured ESB, obviously not for us, um, ESB for us, um, injured um, MVS, I'm actually doing a 10-minute Tuesday video, which, again, people listen to this. The 10-minute Tuesday will be out about um, MVS. And, you know, the inconsistency, the sort of... uh, We spoke about a pre-pod, the sort of bafflement as to how he's being used. I don't know how many times when I was going through the analysis, I saw, you know, Aaron Rodgers incomplete deep left. Aaron Rodgers incomplete deep right. Um, And then he sort of connects on some. There's one of his two touchdowns was a free play uh, that went long. Um, So... So, you know, seemingly very promising ads with the likes of MVS, but then the inconsistencies there would be something to sort of be concerned about, right? And I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is that is that you can watch that film of MVS and in amongst all of that inconsistency, or that there'll be one play where you think, actually, you know what, that guy's got a chance. Yeah. You know, because he'll throw in that. So, and 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 you know, St. Brown did it to a degree a little bit last year as well, and and and, and that's I guess what's tantalising us about about these, you know, the MVSs, the ESBs and those guys, is you think there's a little, there's something, there's something there, but it just hasn't yet come out and it may never come out, you know, and that's the tantalising thing with those guys. There's definitely potential, I agree with that, but I would say that all the best wide receivers make it look really easy. So, Devante Adams is at the top of his game right now, isn't he, and his his demolition of the the Seattle defensive backfield in the playoffs was just a thing of beauty. It was just so easy, wasn't it? His footwork's on point. His releases yeah. are on point. It's just all effortless, isn't it? You know, it's like a in any sport, the best players are always the ones that look as though they've got loads of time. You know, because they just the, the first steps in their head, isn't it? For me, with Valdez Scantlin, it looks like it's hard work. He's, he's clearly he's clearly a talented athlete, but it looks like it's hard work in terms of his footwork and his. It's all a little bit mechanical. So until it that penny drops and you talk about that, don't you? And for Adams, it was the third year, wasn't it? Where it finally yeah. sort of all yeah. clicked together. Then, then I think you'll see that inconsistency because it's not, it's not effortless for him right now, is it? It's, it's a damn hard slog to, to even get where he's got to. So I, I don't know. And that's an important yeah. point, Andy, actually, because that's what I was going to say. It wasn't always so easy for Devante Jesus. Do you remember it now? And after that was put down to that ankle injury, wasn't it? Where they said his forte is his footwork. And when you look at his footwork and what he can do now, and if he had an ankle injury, well, that's going to impact that. And you couldn't probably say the same for the likes of MVS or ESB or any of those boys yet. Um, but don't you never know. Don't underestimate confidence, though, do you? Don't yeah. underestimate confidence in any sport, at any line of work. It's it's massive. And once that confidence is you know instilled in you, you've you've got it, and it you play an extra two foot tall. Yeah. And Adams was a clear case of that, wasn't he? Once he got that confidence, and he. He became confident in what he was doing, and the QB became confident in him. It's a, it's a difficult, you know, it's a, it's a roller coaster that's going to go, you know, 
all the way then, isn't it? Peter, when it comes to Aaron Rodgers then, on that confidence issue, I mean, we all know with him it's a trust issue. Um, you know, he ha- if someone's a veteran, well then, he's more than likely going to go to them. And again, I am the body language expert of UK Packers. When I look at his relationship with Jimmy Graham, it didn't seem that there was an awful lot of reason why Aaron Rodgers would constantly pull for this guy. Because when it came to it, the amount of drops or the lack of effort that I saw, and again, it's it's an Irishman's opinion here. Um, I didn't see any reason why Aaron Rodgers can't chew his ass out the same as he would with one of the young boys, but he didn't. And I think that's because he's a veteran and he gives him the respect and he has, for some reason, some trust in him. Now, that said, Jimmy Graham, he had a stellar career, you know, up to a certain point, let's say. Um, so you'd sort of say that he earned some of that respect. That's fine. I agree with that. But is that an issue here? And do you think that mindset changes with Jordan Love in the wings? Um... I don't think it's. I don't think it's a. No, I don't. No, I. I, I think I'm very much of the, of the view that that Aaron Rodgers will be Aaron Rodgers will be the same guy that he was last year, and has been for the you know the majority of of his career. I don't. I don't think that he's going to suddenly start throwing balls all over the field to to receivers that he doesn't that he doesn't trust. I don't think that's suddenly going to change. Um, but I also think it was telling that they picked up Devin Funches um, as an experienced receiver, and we'll see how that works out. But I think, but I think that was that was that was telling. That's almost, if you like, the replacement for Jimmy Graham, as, mm. it, as it were, or, albeit different positions, obviously. But um, no, I, I don't think it would. I don't think it would change um, um, Rogers Rogers' view. I, I also think that, as Andy said, I think with these. These guys in the in the middle of that group, the MVSs, the ESBs, um, Reggie Begleton, perhaps. Um, I think if if one of those gets off to a good start, you know, comes out in the first couple of games, catches three or four balls in week one and two or three balls in week two, I think that it grows from there. So a bit like what happened with Alan Lazard last year, you know, it came into the season with no with no experience no background but clearly during the year Rogers got to that trust was somehow somehow grew between the two of them um, and, and I just think that as Andy said this confidence thing I think that if one of those guys gets off to a gets off to a, a solid start a good start three catches week one four in week two three in week three I think that will grow and it could be that could be MVS it could be ESB it could be Reggie Begleton it could be any of those guys yeah it's hard to judge it's hard to see if there will be an attitude change as you said you wouldn't imagine that there would be um, but certainly that Aaron Rodgers trust issue thing um, you know might be there but again it's all massive conjecture tight ends Jay Sternberger, Mercedes Lewis, Bobby Tanyan. There's no reason for us to talk about these boys, right? I mean, locked on. Yeah, no, for, for, for me, definitely so. Again, I, you know, I think that, that Sternberger and Lewis definitely make it um, with with Degara, as we talked about, as that H-back, full-back, tight-end hybrid, as, as it were. Tanyan will make it, but he, he would be that one that was on the bubble if you got to the point where you try to slip in an extra defensive back or an extra offensive lineman, then Tonyan would be the one of the three that was potentially on the bubble, but I, I would expect him to make it. Um, and I would expect our kind of guy that always seems to end up on the practice squad, um, Evan Bayliss, to again end up on the practice squad. Yeah. I, I think Tonyan doesn't make it. Oh, yeah? That's, yeah, I think that's, that's the payoff of running back for me. So I think that's where we'll, where we'll be with that one. I think Lewis... I think it's going to be hanging around. I think Sternberger will be a. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing him start. I think he'll be a, an upgrade over what we've had the last couple of years. Um, and I think Degura is obviously going to be the, the Swiss Army knife in terms of moving him around. I don't see with, with Looney and Bayliss sort of lingering around, is there a need for Tonyan? So in a numbers game, he would be my sacrifice, I think, unless we see something really outstanding from him. He's shown flashes. <clears throat> but that, but that's about all. If you're looking at your your your, your sort of game day roster, I don't know how many how many plays he played did he over the course of last year. Yeah, I don't know. That would be my sacrifice because it, it will be a numbers game, as Pete alluded to. So he would be one that would be on the uh, on the fence for me. 
No, it makes sense. Yeah, I sort of I was torn between the whole, you know, throwback to LaFleur system being about, you know, he wants a fullback in there. He likes to mess around with his tight ends, um, which is why I'd have him in. But yeah, totally get it, Andy. Um, if it comes down to a numbers game, you can see, you know, he hasn't put enough on tape, I guess. But Yeah, and that's, the, you know, and, and you're right. And that's the interesting thing. You know, if 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 they kept Sternberger, Lewis, Tonyan and, and Degara and the six wide receivers, you've got 10 guys there. Which is probably why I why I came down with two quarterbacks because I couldn't fit a third one in. Yeah. So so so, so you know if if Tonyan doesn't make it, there's your space for your for your third quarterback potentially. Yeah. True. Um, Andy, offensive line. Uh, do we with the obvious Bakhtiari, uh, Jenkins, Lindsley, Turner, Wagner, and then outside of them, you know John Runyon gets a good honourable mention. Everyone seems to have Jake Hansen as well. Lucas Patrick, um, of course, in there as well. Uh, which sort of leaves the spaces open. Would you subscribe to all of those so far? Or are you going in a different direction? Um, yeah, it's a bit odd. I think you need to separate them off, don't you? So I, I don't look at offensive line as a whole. I look at it by position. So I've got, got Bakhtiari, and then I've got a big exclamation mark thinking, <laughs> Christ, if, if he goes down, what do we do? Because um, we don't know whether uh, Rick Wagner, we don't know what we're getting there, but um, I'm not as confident as I would be if Belaga was stationed on the on the right hand side, even for all his injury issues. Um, I don't know. Watch the watch the Detroit game from last year, and you watch Dean Lowry have probably his best game of the year against him. So that doesn't fill you with confidence. Alex Light is is probably too light, <clears throat> um, and then you've got a couple of two or three development guys at tackle. We don't know whether Runyon's going to be geared up towards guard or tackle. I think that's going to be key. Um, and then on the interior, Lindsley, yeah, but people have talked about potential cap casualty. Billy Turner, um, I think we overpaid and he underproduced, but I, I get he was a, a good guy in the locker room and all that. But probably the keystone for the interior is Elton Jenkins, isn't it? Um, and, and then you've got a load of question marks following on from that. Lane Taylor potentially won't be here. Lucas Patrick, he's been a sort of seems like a perpetual backup, doesn't it? <clears throat> Cole Madison's come off a serious injury. And then you've got the two draft picks, Hansen and uh, the guy from Indiana. So yeah, it's <laughs> um I'll go back to the top of the what we said before. I think we'll see somebody on there that's currently not on the roster. Yeah. Definitely. It scares me. The the offensive line scares me right now. So I'm glad we've got that's why I've taken three QBs, we might need them. <laughs> well if you can't have an O-line just have more QBs to just turn in there just turn in and yeah, actually start the season with Boyle just to, so that when he goes down you have Aaron Rodgers to come in as backup well, do, you, do you see anything different I'm sorry I might be too cynical but I, I see back to Yari all pro class yeah I've seen Lindsay's been a, a proficient starter yeah um, I've seen Elton Jenkins had a great rookie season yeah okay and then I'm then there's a big drop there's a big drop for me and then I don't see you know we need something to happen there don't we after years of steady mm. you know, serviceable offensive line play where we haven't really had to worry about it that's the first year I'm looking at and thinking wow we're, we're potentially one injury away from being really bad and, and I'm not quite sure where we are right now yeah I, I, I would totally agree with that so when, when I when I looked at this I, I, I made the assumption that the five well, the four returning starters would, would obviously make make the roster. I think, you know, as, as Andy's described, Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Lindsley is, is is your kind of solid left-hand side of the line, if you like, with Lindsley at centre. And and um, Billy Turner and Wagner are going to make it, but they don't instill me with the greatest of confidence. Um, Turner's solid, I think. Um, Wagner... Big quest, big question marks, but he he makes he makes the roster because they wouldn't have paid, um, you know, all they paid for him in in free agency, um, for him not to make the roster. Um, I think Lucas Patrick makes it because you know they paid him that extension towards the end of last year, not a huge amount, but a two year extension, and I think he makes it because he can play centre and guard, so he gives you that number one backup if you like at those two positions. So I think those six solidly make it and then it becomes a question of whether you keep three or four more I think it's four so I think they keep 10 uh, and I think it's partly 10 because of the of the reasons Andy's described I think they're 
I think they're a real struggle now about who the backup tackles are. Yeah. Um, so my my assumption is that John John Runyon they, they see as a guard. Um, so I think he makes the I think he makes he makes the roster, and I think your backup tackles are Alex Light and potentially Josh Nyman. Um, and I'm looking at Lyme, Nyman on the basis of of nobody's seen, nobody's seen him play, um, but it, but he's but he you know he's a he's a he's a big guy, has has the size, has the athletic ability. The Packers seem um, to be high enough on him, don't they? As well, I mean, he's and, and I think that's and I think that's the thing that 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 you know lent me towards the fact that, that he's got a chance of being of being kept. But that's you know that's pretty much based on other people's reports. You know, we've yeah. got to see how that how that pans how that pans out and then i think they keep jake hansen as well yeah um, as a so backup center then yeah so, so you know i think that you know that kind of covers the positions in terms of backups but none of the none of the backups fill you with the greatest level of um confidence um, does anybody have Marshall Yosef's number <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you see the, the thing is is uh yeah that was that was we always try to um certainly i do anyway i always try to give sort of the benefit of the doubt to players and and all of that but jesus yeah he was one player that used to drive me crazy i felt bad then because i know he's a man and he's a family man and all this type of stuff but god he used to drive me insane um so it, the problem with this situation lads is though right is that Although we're looking at these players like wide receivers, there's obviously deficiencies there or definitely massive question marks. Offensive line, massive question marks. Defensive line, massive question marks. And although we're sort of saying who's going to make the roster, in an ideal world, it's not who we'd sort of see, oh, they're solid. So when it comes to the likes of Billy Turner and Rick Wagner, like they're going to make the squad based on contracts, based on you know again, like you sort of said, Pete, like in the Billy Turner sense, solid play. Aaron Rodgers name checks him a lot. That doesn't mean that his stats are good, um, but it certainly means that you know, you, look, you expect him to make the roster. Um, that's the dilemma we're in, isn't it? And I guess we can, if if there's nothing else on offensive line, defensive line lads is like that as well. There's Kenny Clark and then just a massive void. Um, after that, of guys who were going to say, uh, but who were not actually confident in being, you know, we're not talking pro bowlers here. Um you know not that I can see anyway and that's no offence to the guys that we have uh, but certainly the gulf and that's probably because Kenny Clark is so fantastic um, but also that these other players have not shown um, you know what we would like to see to be able to have confidence in them right? No that's that's, that's the key thing isn't it what we've seen and what we've uh, we can assume it's not acceptable for us to go into the season with Alex Light and, and Josh Nyman as our backup tackles it's not I'm sorry it's just a a dereliction of if you're going to pay Rogers all that money, if that's your backup tackle, and he could be in after one snap of the 2020 season, yeah, that's not acceptable. It's, it's not that's how the way I would look at it. You know, take back Tiari out, and you've got Wagner and Light as your starting tackles. Poof, good luck with that. Do they it's keep Lane not... Taylor around then, Andy? I mean, do they just keep him just for insurance? Uh, if they're keeping the best players, they would do, but I don't think he will. No, I don't think it's, it's just a case of it's just how they're. The off seasons panned out, isn't it? I think yeah. it'll go eventually. It's, it's just the, the dollars. It's too too much, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I I would agree with that. I, mean, I think if he if he was a guy as solid as he is on a on a minimum contract, I think that would be different. But I think that with a, with an eye to what may or may not happen with next year's with next year's salary cap, you know, yeah. if not all the games are played, etc., 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 and next year's salary cap, you know, certainly question marks about what number that will be, whether it will be even lower than this year's. You know, I, I think at some point they're going to be looking at this year to to be able to carry carry over salary cap dollars into next year, um, and and that being the case, you know the the number that Lane Taylor's on, and I don't have it off the in front of me, but it's four and a half million, that kind of number. That's that's a big number to carry for a guy who's a backup guard. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those unfortunate situations where, again, super solid player, a lot of affection yeah. for him because of the yeah. situation that he was in, that he had to step in and uh, yeah. take on that mantle as well. Uh, when we saw that line sort of in consecutive years going uh, with Sitton and Lang, and then he stepped in um, to do what he did. It's just a shame. It's a shame that it all comes down to a numbers game. Let's talk defensive line. Uh, then Andy, Kenny Clark, and <laughs> uh, your person here. Um, what are you thinking? I think the guy they picked up off from um, Oakland is going to be the second best player on there mm. right now. 
Trevon Peter, your uh, Trevon Hester. Trevon yeah. Hester. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I would. I, I think he, he'll he'll be one of the the keeps. Um, I think the biggest chink of light for me is the, is hopefully the improvement from Kingsley Kiki. Uh, I think he could be well. What we saw on tape last year from him in the flashes that he played was super encouraging, in my opinion. Yeah, I think he really looks like he could be a um, a, a real start starting caliber player in the NFL. So I, I think we need that. But even even allowing for that, I still think that we'll be left with Clark, Lowry, Lancaster, Kiki, um, the, the guy we picked. Up, who's the other guy? Was it Willis? Was it yeah? We, we picked yeah, up as well. Joe Willis. Yeah. Joe Willis. Um, but I like the other guy better. Um, and I think there's a guy called Mike Daniels that might also end up. <laughs> Heard him. If on he's working, roster. videos are on the go, but sign him now. Um, he's uh, he's an absolute animal. Even on his birthday, um, Montrevious Adams, uh, Pete, is a dead man walking when it comes to roster. I, I don't think he is. No, I think I, I think that um, I think he sneaks in. Now, what's happened in the last week or so with the with, with the arrest and what have you won't have helped his won't have helped his cause. Um, and and I guess I'm basing my feeling on just what I've heard Guti say about him and, and, and the positive vibes that the team still, still has about him. He, he hasn't shown anything for me, but you know, they see him day in, day out. So I, I've kind of been very conservative about who I think will make it on the defensive line. I, I, I think this is the, when you sit down and look at it, I think this is the weakest unit on the, on the team. Yeah, because after after Ken after Kenny Clark, it, it's well, it's it's Kenny Clark, and I think then you know Lowry Lancaster, Kingsley Kiki, as Andy said, and Montrevious Adams for me. Um, I think I think what it is is what you saw in San Francisco in the playoffs is, is what is what it is, and that's the worrying thing, isn't it? I think if what teams figure it out, that you know uh, that that's who we are, that's yes. who we were, uh, and and that's the reality of it. Um, it's it's a it's a bit of a head scratch. I think take Kenny, Kenny Clark out of it, and it's the worst collection of defensive linemen in the NFL for me. I'd take anybody else's collection over ours. Yeah, um, I, I tell you what, the Montrevious Adams thing surprises me in the sense that uh, he always seemed like, oh no, th- you know, this is the year he's going to step up. But how many times have you heard it on the podium? What was it, Peter? Was it last year? That uh, Petten was saying, "Oh yeah, he wasn't arsed and I didn't like him, but he impressed me, so so yeah. I kept him in." Well, and you're sort of going, "Oh Jesus!" I mean, this arrest is not going to help his case. Uh, That's the worrying bit for me, though, isn't it? I, I coming out of college, I was, you know, we took him in the third round. I was chuffed a bit because I thought he was a bit of a, a raging bull. I thought that's a great pick. He's got a, he's a high motor. Um, the stuff he's not great at in terms of pad level, um, we can work on that, and we're good at that. Um, it'll be a perfect fit. So there's something not clicked between his college play and his pro career, and that normally points towards one thing, either attitude or effort. And if you've got problems with those two things in the NFL, then I'd open the door. See you later. Yeah, yeah, I think absolutely right. And I, I think the difficulty they've, they've they've got is is as we said, I after Kenny Clark, it's a it's a bunch of guys, and that you know, and I'm not t- trying to be detrimental at at all. Yeah, um, it, it's it's you know there's some hard-working guys in there some all-effort guys in there but but it but ultimately it's about it's about production and it is about you know where would these guys fit in on other nfl rosters you know we're not comparing ourselves to the cincinnati bengals roster here we're comparing ourselves with a top five top ten roster because that's where we, we expect our team to be and you know it's difficult to look at that defensive line without being extremely concerned I'd go as far as to say, Peter, it's not Reggie White, Sean Jones, Santana, Dotson, <laughs> Gilbert Brown. Is that what is that what we're saying? Just a yes. minor minor step down. I think from that. <laughs> I love talking to the the grave digger because that's what he said. He said when the, the when they turned and looked at the offensive line, he could literally see themselves like piss themselves basically when they saw this big massive bunch of dudes he said he could actually see the fear in their eyes um, and again you know like men are all macho and they don't want to admit it but I can see exactly why <laughs> Jesus Christ um, so look the, the consensus with edge rushers is Zadari Smith Preston Smith Rashan Gary and then there's one more so pretty much everybody's going with four um, in this Peter who's your fourth guy if you agree with the first three which I'd say you probably 1000% do 
Yeah, I suspect the Smiths make it. Yeah, um, funnily enough, <laughs> and G- Gary makes it obviously. Yeah, so 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 you're right. So it's those it's those three, and then probably one other. Yeah. Um, and I suspect it's Jonathan Garvin, the the draft pick from this year, um, seventh round pick this year. I think that I think they like Greg Roberts a lot. You know that they paid him a a nice bonus for an undrafted free agent last last year. So I think that I think they like him, but I think he just misses out in a, in a numbers game, ends up on the practice squad if somebody else doesn't pick him up. Yeah, are you high on Jonathan Garvin, Andy, or do you see anybody else squeaking in? Uh, I had them keeping. <laughs> I would keep five, just based on the fact the inside linebackers are that bad. So, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'd move Gary around. Yeah, seriously, would. Yeah, if you're telling me that, I think Tim Williams is a is a different kind of player to what we've got. A little bit quicker, a little bit smaller. Um, so that'd be. I, I agree with Peter. Um, so either Roberts or Williams would be. Added to Garvin, it would be number four. Um, but yeah, the, the Motley crew at inside linebackers, I'm not sure I can justify keeping sort of three or four of those guys. I'd rather keep an extra player. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the outside linebackers. No, I mean, when we look at um, the experts at NFL Spin Zone, um, that's what they say as well. They have uh, Jonathan Garvin and Tim Williams. The the sort of general consensus to everybody is that they all have the two Smiths, obviously, and Gary, obviously, and Garvin. And then it's whether they add an extra one or not. Um, so, Andy, let's jump to that inside linebacker crew. I'd see Ty Summers and Curtis Bolton being kind of um, interchanged or in some instances both added. Uh, Kamal Martin is also added. Oren Burks uh, is still being thrown in there with along with Christian Kirksey, obviously. Um, so, A, you're not confident in this group. So what do you? how many are you going with here? And do you have any stock in what you've seen from Curtis Bolton or Ty Summers from last year? Um, I would go with... Well, um, in terms of order of preference, Kirksey, uh, um, Martin, um, Bolton. Really? Um, and if we keep a fourth one, it'll be Burks. Uh, Ty Summers is not, he's a special teams player for me. Uh, that's what all I, all I see. Curtis Bolton, just based on, he, he flashed early and he probably got injured. Um, so we, we don't quite know what we've got there, but I quite like the look of him when he did play, even though he's a bit undersized. Um, Oren Burks is going to go one of the down with those early draft picks that have been wasted unfortunately the penny just doesn't seem to be dropping does it so yeah um, it wouldn't surprise me if Kirksey and Martin were the two starting inside backers on day one so don't laugh at me right but Ty Summers looked um solid to me on pre-season and when I looked at him and on special teams I thought he was a big effort guy so to me and I know what you mean about Bolton as well I mean the two of them I guess they can be interchangeable, but it's interesting what you say about Barks. You know, what did he pick up? A peck injury, wasn't it, last year? Um, and then there's sort of... People are massively high on Oren Barks, and I still hold out hope from Why are you sort of leaning towards to say, nah, you're not going there with him? Um, it's just some of the coaches speak that's come out, isn't it? I, I don't get what they're getting at. It's almost like they're trying to motivate him. Um, and some of the sort of language around the information they've given him and his inability to be able to read and react quickly, that's not something that develops over time. You either yeah, have yeah. that or you don't. Now, if you say that they're undersized or they lacked a bit of strength or they couldn't hold the point of attack or and all that sort of stuff or they didn't get the defence, that's all fine because that's all correctable. But if you can't play chess, you can't play chess. Yeah. You, you, do you know what I mean? That that's the worry for me is is the coach speak coming out that and he's seen the field relatively um, minimalistically, hasn't he? Um, and and our play inside linebacker wasn't superb, was it? So if we'd have had two studs there and he didn't get game time, you'd understand it. But the fact that we didn't particularly have a high caliber level of play and he still doesn't make the field is a, is a worry for me. Yeah, Peter, where's your head that with the ILBs? Yeah, not not dissimilar. I think Kirksey and Martin make it. I think Martin will turn out to be a better player than his draft his draft position. I hope. Um, and then I think it's two two out of three. Your Burks, Burks, Summers, or Bolton. I've gone for Burks and Summers. And, and the reason I went for Summers over Bolton, and I agree with Andy. If you go back a year before Bolton got injured, you know, he was pushing for a starting position yeah. in in, in pre season last year or a year before, um, before he got injured. And um, the reason I went for Summers over over Bolton was simply, if I was looking at my fourth inside linebacker, I felt he's probably more likely to play on special teams than he is to ever see the field as 
as an inside backer and therefore I just I just went for Summers on his on his what he showed us on special teams last year. But yeah. I, I think after the first two, after Kirksey and Martin, you can pick any any two of the those three, I think. Grant, um you have Burks as well, so do you think that yeah. it's just the coach and staff just giving him the benefit of the doubt every time and sort of, you know, looking at the injury and saying he deserves to be shown a bit more game time to put him out there is that where your head's at with him or yeah you and, I, 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 and you have to imagine that you know the when they draft that when they drafted him they saw something in him yeah and if Gooty still thinks that i get i guess almost reverse psychology here if Gooty still is is thinking i'm not yet convinced that he's not the guy mm then he probably makes it for a third year. And I know there's, there's lots of negatives in there, but I think it's more... Guti had a view of him two years ago, three years ago when he was drafted. And I suspect that view is still partially there. Yeah. I get that feeling I too. I do. I get that feeling around the organisation that they still expect him somehow to make that jump because it's not something that we always hear is like no no you know we need Burks to to step up he's going to get more playing time so he has to step up to the mark it's kind of it doesn't sound very promising but it's like they keep giving him that challenge and I reckon if had we saw a, a full effort out of Mandy last year we would have had something to go on to say well, fair enough that's warranted or no it's not but we just haven't had that chance really have we I, I get the view that Gooty thinks there's still something there. Yeah. I don't get the view from the coaches that they still think there's something there. And I'll put it another way to you then. If he'd have been a free agent or undrafted free agent, would he still be hanging around? The no. Answer no. Is, the answer is no. Yeah. So this is about, about Gooty protecting his own stock. Uh, and this is what I keep harping on to, that he puts more stock in his own players than I do sometimes. And that's his weakness for me. If you've made a, a bad move, don't compound it by making further bad moves and keeping the guy around. But we'll see, won't we? And uh, sort of a massive bone of contention with Packers fans is the cornerback position, like how many years that we've sort of sunk so much draft capital into it. Uh, we seem to have two good ones in J.R. Alexander, Kevin King. Kevin King's contract coming up. Um, again, Shannon Sullivan, or Shannon Sullivan's name has been zipped around the internet as an absolute lock. Um, so outside of those three, if ye lads both agree, uh, Peter, would you agree with those three? And how many are you going here? Are we going five or six cornerbacks? Uh, so I think they keep six. Yeah. So, so it's kind of been more and more common over recent years to, you know, to keep almost an extra one, if you like, there. Um, I think especially as you see, you know, more and more nickel and dime defense being played. So I think they, I think they keep six. I think it's those three that, that you mentioned, Steve. Um, I think... Um, Kadar Holman from last year, I think he sticks. Um, I plucked one out of the air, just a gut feel more than anything else. That's um, um, the undrafted free agent, Stanford Samuels. Mm. Um, and the sixth one for me, and this was a bit, this was a bit of a, this was a bit of a reach, um, but but I think they'll be looking to to pick up another veteran player, and I think they re-signed Tremont Williams around August time. And I think, and I think that he comes back for his 76th year at corner. <laughs> so I'm still playing solidly, by the way. I mean, the guy is an absolute ageless wonder. Andy, how are you feeling with that? Do you, do you see Tremont Williams uh, throwing on the colors again, or where do you stand on the CBs? So, so just on that one then, Peter, are we seeing Josh Jackson? Is it, is his time done? Uh, for, 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 for me, I, I guess I guess for me that Josh Jackson and a veteran like Tremont Williams, I think they're in direct competition for a single spot. So I think I think if they don't sign Tremont Williams or or a, a similar type veteran player, then I think Jackson's back. That's just just where my head was. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm a similar I'm a similar ilk. I think that's that's fair. I had um, I had Sunderland and Samuels being your. Um, your, your shocks, if you like. There's yeah. always one or two every year, isn't there? I think those two guys will, will both sneak in at some form, um, which will leave out Kadar Holman. I didn't see enough, to be honest, but that's just my opinion. Um, so I, I think Sunderland and Samuels have got higher ceilings for me. Um, but that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah, and I think it's one of those positions where 
you know, if you keep six, for example, you can that those fifth and sixth guys, you can give them a little playing time and you can ease them into it, can't you? So you can ease a Samuels or a, or a Sunderland. So I like Sunderland too. I, I, I had him making the practice squad, but it wouldn't surprise me if he made the roster. Um, but it's nice that you can kind of ease those guys in without putting too much pressure on them. Yeah, I agree. But we play a dime, don't we, more than any other team in the NFL, according yeah. to some stats I saw last week. So it is... It is, it is interesting, isn't it? They do get that game time. Uh, and usually the active roster com- contains an extra cornerback or two yeah. c- compared to other NFL teams, doesn't it? So it is, although it seems like a bit of a, it doesn't matter too much who five and six cornerbacks are. It, it does for us, doesn't it? It does, it does really make a difference for us. That was one of the questions I saw someone trying to uh, get somebody to ask Petten is that do we play that way because we have to at a necessity because we don't have the players or do we play that way because that's the scheme um, and again that's the billion dollar question right that none of us can really answer because either way they're not going to like what's Petten going to say oh yeah I haven't been afforded the players that I actually need <laughs> to run this defence um, so you work with what you can I guess Yeah I think he, I think he likes to play that way I yeah. think he likes to, likes to in essence you know play 3-3-5 three, three, um, as a, as almost his base his base defense, and and you know on second on second and third down if it's a passing down and he's into into six or seven DBs, I just yeah, think he I, likes I just think he likes to play that way. I agree. He he doesn't like giving up the big play, does he? Yeah, he wants no. to keep everything in front of him, doesn't he? Um, and, and I think that suits the way we you know his his ethos on the game. Yeah, from what we're hearing as well, doesn't he like to disguise his plays and stuff like that? So he doesn't want to sort of become predictable um, as well. It's sort of the element of surprise uh, he tends to like. Safeties, Adrian Amos, uh, Darnell Savage, uh, Raven Green. Um, again, it's like it's sort of a Shannon Sullivan, Shannon Sullivan, uh, whichever way you want to say it. Uh, Raven Green seems to be pretty high on people's um, lists and radars. Outside of that, it's kind of a mixed bag between... People banging in Vernon Scott. People going Will Redmond. Um, I don't know. Um, Andy, do you see those three um, sort of as locks? Amos Savage and Green. And then outside of that, it's whether you go four or five safeties. Yeah, Savage, Amos. Um, I like Will Redmond. I think he would be my my number three safety. Yeah. Uh, Raven Green would be the guy you play close to the line of scrimmage. He'd be my number four. Um I still don't know anything about Vernon Scott, so I'll take a pass. I'd rather go with uh, Peter's guy because you have to take him all the way through now, don't we? Really, <laughs> um, we can't pick somebody out. Well, we Peter pick somebody out from Canada, undrafted free agent that is now going <laughs> to turn into some NFL superstar, and Pete's going to gain some sort of knighthood. I think for that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that'd be my four. Um, and if you're going to keep one extra, it would be, uh, yeah, Peter's man from Canada. Mark Antoine Ducoy. Peter, yeah. are you backing this horse? Are you going down to uh, Paddy Power yeah. or all of that? Yeah. Sort of yeah. Yeah. This guy's so, going to be a pro bowler. Is that what we're talking about? So, so, so I went for, yeah, so I, I, went, for, I went for five. Um, so again, the same four as Andy, Amos, Savage, Green and Redmond. And then the fifth one, I... I you would imagine that because he was drafted, Vernon Scott has the kind of inside track. Yeah. Um, but I, I went for my guy, so Mark Antoine Decoir. Um, but for no reason other than he was my guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I think I think you know again it's a numbers game. Do they keep keep four or five? I suspect it's five. But but. Um, again, it's an interesting another one of those interesting groups where you've got two solid starters two very good starters that hopefully will grow together in Amos and Savage and then after that there's a bit of a drop off yeah it's interesting to see the analysis I mean we look at Lombardi Avenue you know Vernon Scott uh, makes an appearance um, the same for 247 Sports um, and then Will Redmond gets mentioned a lot as well um, so it's interesting to see sort of people go in different directions of course putting that stock in someone who was drafted they sort of go oh well you know like you said Peter he's the inside track just give him the spot um, but nice to sort of uh, go up north to Canada uh, special teams Mason Crosby J.K. Scott Hunter Bradley is that all we're saying about that I guess we are we move on right just for me yeah yeah. I can't see anything different from that Yeah. barring injury obviously yeah yeah um, 
Grant. So Jesus, we've we've done it. I don't know. We haven't been so formulaic this time. Um, I know Peter, your articles on the website again. People listen to this, so they'll be able to see, um, your completed roster without us trying to jam in an extra ten players. Um, but yeah, some interesting talking points, lads. Some massive deficiencies, and again, we don't even know if the season is gonna go ahead. Um, Peter, any parting words when it comes to this? Two, and uh, we've stressed it's a too early uh roster prediction on this is there any sort of um words of wisdom you want to impart on people well i guess i guess i guess a couple of things i think the first thing is it it's too early and and and, it, and it's easy to pick up on on areas that, that we've all talked about during the off season as being you know potential areas where improvements needed but there'll be a bunch of other people doing the same thing for their teams looking at their rosters thinking the same thinking the same thing so 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 there's that and i, and I guess the other thing that always happens is that that assuming we have a training camp you know there'll be a guy that comes almost out of nowhere it may be one of the undrafted free agents that we've mentioned or a guy they pick up for another team who's who becomes the star of training camp if you like and the star of preseason who make who ends up making the roster as the 52nd or 53rd guy so there will be somebody and of course there will be unfortunately injuries so one or two of these guys um, hopefully none, but but potentially one or two of these guys that we've mentioned as being even certain to make the roster, you know, one or two of them will end up with injuries. They end up on injured reserve like Equinemius St. Brown did last year. Yeah, and that's that's the only thing that happened to Vince Beagle, right? Had a shining career in Green Bay and it all went wrong because he tackled the donut. And that's what happens. Andy, um, any caveats uh, from you or any words of wisdom? I, I just think it does really accentuate the, uh, the thought that we are paper thin in certain areas. I think that's a, that's a key thing for me to think about. Is that um, so? Although those two or three players that we talked about there at the back end of the of the pod, the likes of Chandon Sullivan and uh, Kingsley Kiki, uh, in particular, uh, who are, are young, upcoming players on the rise, uh, there just seem to be a bit of a dearth of that throughout our roster. And I, and I put that down to the sort of um, the later round drafts over the last two or three years for me haven't been quite up to speed um, you'd want to see more than that for me but that's the problem but I also think that there's probably three or four players that we we can't talk about because they're sat on other NFL rosters right now that'll end exactly, up yeah. being in our 53 just because of the way all the things Peter described earlier on with the salary cap implications for next year other teams are going to be under as much pressure and in some cases a lot more pressure to to, to release and make make difficult decisions um, and we have to be there to benefit from that, I think, because you can see that we clearly D-line, offensive line um, in particular, I think, uh, real positions of need still. Yeah, like you say, I mean, there's a 0% chance that we've got it right, because as you say, and especially with the way the system is now, like, you know, years gone by when there was that whole cut down thing and people were sort of trickling out and being released and there was sort of shakes and moves, uh, whereas this time it's just that massive cut and then there's a dearth of players that are out there and there's always moves and shakes and the Packers have always been quite good about sort of recycling lads around. Um, so yeah, like we're, there's definitely players that are going to be on this roster and like you said, Pete, as well, there's there, inevitably there's going to be injuries. Um, and when that happens, then there's people being slotted in that you wouldn't have expected them to. Um, I don't think we expected, you know, Jay Sternberger to be hitting IOR and all this type of stuff, whereas um, that's what happened. So, you know, you've high hopes. And again, I know, you know, we can be down on players and, and all of that. And I don't know if there's going to be any rags to riches stories when it comes to, say, our wide receivers with MVS and ESB. But you never know if we're going to be surprised if the hype video around uh, Reggie Begleton's out on the go by. This guy is, you know... Dare I say Jerry Rice? I mean, when you look at these players, he looks fantastic. Um, he looks absolutely fantastic. But again, I mean, it's it's like again what what Peter said too. You know, these sort of stories, these rags to riches stories of Kumaro, and then all of a sudden the media grab hold of it. And then now, you know, he gets into Aaron Rodgers' friend group, and you know, he's sort of high in him. He trusts him. He throws him the ball. He makes a toe tap catch, and it's it's great media fodder. But I don't know about you boys, um, if you watch Hard Knocks, but isn't there always that story, lads, where there's this player and he has a fantastic family background and a nice little side story that he should be on the Kardashians or something, you know, it's this sort of America's Got Talent style. 
style stuff and you're really really rooting for this guy because he seems like a super nice guy and a brilliant player and then you see him in preseason and he forgets to go onto the field or he doesn't put his helmet on or there's something sort of really obvious as to sort of shows that he's actually a bad player or he's inexperienced or whatever and he gets cut and you're, everyone's really sad and then no one remembers him ever again um, so there's always those storylines as well but definitely a lot of talking points anyway well, just look out for um, Aaron Rodgers' entourage at the Kentucky Derby. And if, Reggie Beg- <laughs> if Reggie Begleton's in that entourage with Bakhtiari and a couple of his other boys, yeah. we know he's we know he's going to be an All-Pro. Uh, I I that's I that's safe you. to say. Well, it's, some of Bakhtiari's brothers might make the squad yet because they're always in those pictures. So <laughs> you, know, you never know. If you've got the Ray-Bans on and the checkered suits, you know, you're in with a good that's shot. You see, you'll see Peter Jones there lurking in the background at the bar. You know what I mean? You're sort of thinking, geez, Peter Jones doesn't look too bad now he might be in there anyway boys uh, great podcast as usual um, it's at IT Hedgehog at the Pooley Shrew um, on Twitter to follow the boys it's always good on the lead up and, and some good stuff shared and some good articles on the website and everything else I'm um, at Steedy the NFL and the Paddy Packer so racist on um, Instagram but it's fine because I'm Irish so I can say it um, and yeah follow the group accounts at UK Packers and we'll be back and still with you throughout the off season with some good stuff and you can pop across to youtube.com forward slash UK Packers to watch MVS's top 10 catches and in fact probably all of these catches uh, thrown onto that video as well if you want to have a peruse but from me and the two boys it's goodbye for this week